This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You would turn your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. And we'll be looking at the first, uh, first five verses this morning. Um, Peter here, of course, is the Apostle Peter. Uh, he uh, was the one who Jesus changed his name, right? Uh, he was Simon Peter, this fisherman. And, and whenever Simon um, confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus changed his name to Peter. Um, it, it, it says that he's an apostle. So whenever uh, we, we read that he's an apostle, this is talking about this, this official office that Jesus gave to these 12 disciples. He had many other disciples, but there were 12 that he called apostles. And we know the story about Judas and how he, was, he, was, uh, um, he, did, he uh, betrayed Jesus and how they selected another apostle, uh, Matthias, to replace him. We know that Paul... Paul was another apostle that was untimely born. But that word apostle means that, you know, Jesus, he selected these men to speak on his authority. So when we read this letter from Peter, we are we are hearing what Jesus wants us to, to know. We are hearing the voice of Jesus written down by a man 2000 years ago, the apostle Peter. And. Uh, He is writing to a persecuted church. He's writing to a church that is in the midst of a hostile environment. And, and we don't live in, in an environment that is like this early church. We don't live in an environment that is like what you see in North Africa and other places in the world, in China, where, where believers are persecuted and tortured and things like that. But we do live in a hostile environment. If you don't believe it, just watch the news. We live in a hostile environment. And, and so we can relate to what Peter has to say here. He's telling us how we are to live as believers in the midst of a hostile environment. So let's look at what Peter has to say. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the word of the Lord. Peter here, again, he identifies himself. He's saying that he's an apostle and therefore he's speaking on the authority of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus wants us to hear. And he said, he's speaking here, it says, to the elect exiles of the dispersion. 
So there are these believers who have been spread out all over in, in these, these different cities uh, of uh, Pontus, Galatia, all these different places. They're spread out. They're dispersed, uh, much like we are today. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're not back uh, like in the early church in Jerusalem, all in one place. But we are spread out all over the earth on every continent and every country. Uh, we have believers that are spread out. And in that sense, we're, we're like those original readers um, uh, that Peter was writing to. And whenever Peter says to those who are elect exiles, that says something that, that is descriptive of us. And when he says that these believers are elect, that says something about what believers are. Uh, we don't like to talk about the word elect sometimes. We don't, we, we, we're, we're afraid to use that word. But, you know, I, I'm an expository preacher, so I've got to look over every word that the Scripture says and not avoid certain things. So we've got to explain, what does this mean? He tells us, he, he says that these believers are the elect. Now, I'm not going to give a thorough, uh, complete explanation of everything that there is about this, but I want to, want to point out one thing. They're in the midst of a hostile environment, and it will be very encouraging for them to know that God has chosen them. And when we live in a hostile environment, uh, it, it will be very in, encouraging for us to know and to realize, I'm not off on my own. I'm not just living in some kind of a random circumstance, but God chose me. God chose me. Um, the Bible doesn't reveal to us information about the fact that, that God has elected believers so that we can just um, have philosophical conversations and philosophical ideas about, well, who's elect and who's not. No, that's not the purpose of any of it. The purpose is comfort. The fact is, when we feel our faith is weak, when we feel like we just can't hold on any longer, it is comforting to be reminded of the fact, God chose me. It's not about me and how strong or how good I am. But I've got to remember, God chose me. He chose me out of... Out of the, the deadness that I was, the spiritual deadness that I was. I, I was once blind, but now I see. And, and it says that these believers are exiles. And that says something not, not only about the, the original context that these believers are in. They're, they're maybe driven away from their original homes and living in, in a, as exiles in their lands. But we as believers live as exiles as well. This world is not our home, Right? This world is not our home. I'm just passing through, as the old country song says, right? Um, um, now, there is a sense in which, you know, God made us for earth. He, he, it was a good creation. Whenever you're in Genesis 1, he, he created human beings and placed us on earth. And we are earthlings. And as we, as we look at eschatology and the study of the end times, one of these days Jesus is going to come and he's going to restore all things. He's going to make it, uh, restore everything to that original creation design like it should have been in the garden. He's going to renew the earth and have a, have a new heavens and a new earth. And in that sense... Uh, we, we do belong here, but in another sense, this world is living under a curse right now. And, and we are citizens of another kingdom. Our highest allegiance is not to the United States of America, although I love this country. 
Our highest allegiance is to our King Jesus Christ. And we live as exiles. We live as aliens in the midst of a hostile world. It ought to be encouraging and comforting to us when we look at the news and we look at the world out there and we see how hostile everything is to see things haven't changed. We look at the New Testament and and the early Christians. They were to live as aliens, as exiles in the world. And we, we ought to be strange. We ought to stand out in the midst of this world. Then he says in verse 3, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. Notice the first thing. All three persons of the Trinity were involved in our salvation. All three persons here. The Father planned it. We didn't just wake up one day and decide, I think I'm going to start following Jesus today. It was a part of God's plan. It was a part of God's plan. He planned our salvation. And then uh, the, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit applies our salvation. He, he is the one who brings about new birth in our, our lives. He opens our eyes. He brings us from death into life. The Holy Spirit applies that salvation and it's here described as sanctification. Now, uh, sanctification has two different meanings. One is uh, the, the, the sanctification is, is a, uh, becoming more holy. Becoming more holy in the, in the sense of moral purity. Uh, when, when the Holy Spirit um, works in our lives, He changes us and He washes us clean and He makes us morally pure. But at the same time, uh, sanctification is also being a set-apartness. It's, it's set-apart and, and different. And so, when we're saved, he, he, he plucks us out of the world and he, he makes us new and separate from the rest of the world. So we've been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And for obedience to Jesus Christ. We didn't get saved so that we could just go on living our lives however we wanted to. And just have a little bit of Jesus added on. We got saved for a purpose. He says, for obedience to Jesus Christ. If He has caused you to be born again, if you are trusting in Jesus, the reason that He has done what He's done in your life is for obedience to Jesus Christ. He has called you to obey Him, to, to follow Him, and for sprinkling with His blood. Not only have we been called for obedience to Him, to obey Him, to follow Him in this life, but also we have been washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. We've been sprinkled with His blood. Now that sounds kind of weird to those on the outside. Sprinkled with blood? Really? It sounds, but we as believers know this is like sacrificial language, and it's not, it's, not, it's not some kind of bloody, gory thing. But when we're talking about being sprinkled with, God, with Jesus' blood, we have been washed clean. We have been forgiven of our sins because of what Jesus did. Jesus' death on the cross, the shedding of His blood is what made forgiveness possible, and it's how we can have a relationship with God through Jesus. 
So all three persons are, of the Trinity are involved in our salvation. The Father planned it, the Spirit applies it, and we have been saved to obe- for obedience to Jesus Christ. And it was all purchased by the blood of Jesus. Now, moving into verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what everything else hangs on here. This is what the main verb is and in, in, in what we're, we're, we're saying here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, first of all, this is specific language. This is not just saying, blessed be God, period. But he's saying, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's specific. When, when, uh, there's a tendency to think, well, just every different religion all just worships the same God and everything. No, no. This is specific here. We're not just worshiping some God of the philosophers. We're not just worshiping the ground of all being as some liberal theologians have talked about. We're not worshiping the same God as Allah. We're not worshiping the same God of the 220 million gods or billion gods among Hinduism. We're not worshiping any other God. We are worshiping the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is specific. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So that's the God we're talking about. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one who promised Abraham that he would have a son, who would, who, who, a, 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 a descendant who would bless all nations. That, son was, that descendant was Jesus. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, blessed be Him. The purpose here in this text is to tell us we're to praise God. That's what we've been doing this morning, right? As we worship and we sing. When we read what's here, the purpose of all this stuff, telling us that we've been chosen by God, the fact that God planned it, the Father planned it, the fact that that uh, the Spirit has applied our salvation, the the fact that that, uh, we've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, that ought to cause us to shout hallelujah, right? Amen. 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 I'm not hearing much. (laughs) That ought to cause us to praise Him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes in and explains why we ought to praise God. According to His great mercy. According to His great mercy. Well, His mercy is great. It's big. It's, it's, It's stupendous. It is unfathomable mercy. But what is mercy? Of course, the easy way to explain it is it's when we don't get what we deserve. <laughs> right? It's when we don't get what we... We deserve hell. <laughs> we deserve... Uh, like when, when we get... When we're little kids and we get in trouble and we need a spanking <laughs> and, and mom and dad know about it. They're gracious. They're merciful. And we don't get it. Maybe. That's mercy. That's mercy. When we don't get what we deserve, that's mercy. And God, we, 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 have, we deserve hell. We deserve the wrath of God poured out on us. And according to His great mercy, instead of getting what we deserve, instead of having God's wrath burning at us, instead of that, we, He has caused us to be born again. Whew. 
We're new people. We're new creations. Jesus said, uh, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again in John chapter 3. If you've got to, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. Nicodemus, in this story in John chapter 3, he doesn't understand it. He says, well, I've got to go back into my mother and be born again physically. Jesus says, no, no, no. You've got to be born both of water and the Spirit. And there's a debate about what exactly that means, but you know, you've got to be born both physically and you've got to be born spiritually. We're born into this world dead in our trespasses and sins. Spiritually dead. And we need to be born again. Born spiritually. So that, so that we have a new heart and a new life. He has caused us to be born again. If you're a believer, if you're trusting in Jesus, if He has saved you, that's one description of what has happened to you. You've been born again. That ought to cause you to praise Him, huh? That ought to cause you to praise Him. You've been born again. If, you, if you're a believer, if you're trusting in Him, you've been born again. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! To a living hope. We sang about that this morning. To a living hope. We've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what we put our hope in. My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus and His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. What are you hoping in? Are you hoping in your finances? In your next paycheck? Are you hoping in, in your stuff? And what you have, you're hoping in the fact that you've got, a, you've got a comfortable living or you're hoping in Jesus. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. This is a hope that will not disappoint us. It's living. It's not a dead hope. It's not like an idol. Some block of wood that people would worship back in the... Well, people still worship them today. Block of wood, piece of stone, metal, all kinds of different things that people would worship. That's dead. They can't talk. They can't predict the future. They can't do all the things that the God of the Bible does. But we have a living hope. Amen. We have a living hope. Uh, it says, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How do we know our hope is living? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Right? Okay, if, 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 if there was a man who lived 2,000 years ago, who, who taught all kinds of good things, and people said he did miracles, and the Romans didn't like him, so they killed him, but he never rose from the dead, well, we'd be talking about him today. How would we know anything? How would he be different than Confucius or Buddha or any other religious teacher? The one thing that makes him different is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead. We can know that it's real. We can know that it's true and, and not just another philosophical position throughout the world because Jesus historically, physically in this time and space rose from the dead. And he had eyewitnesses that saw him. People that, that uh, you know... Paul the Apostle is one of the great examples. He, he persecuted Christians because he believed that, that Christianity was false and, and he, he wanted to put out this, this, this uh, uh, false teaching that he thought was false teaching until he met Jesus, rose from the dead on the road to Damascus. And he went from a persecutor of the church 
to a person who wrote half the New Testament. I mean, an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> so you want to know what makes Christianity different from other, other religions? How we know that our hope is living as opposed to all the other philosophies out there? It's because Jesus rose from the dead in space, time, and history. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. To an inheritance. And we think about an inheritance as, you know, maybe our parents or grandparents might pass away and leave us to something. But an inheritance is something so much more than that when it talks about our inheritance. It's what, what we will receive one day whenever Jesus comes again. It's, it's, our, it's that thing that we have hold up. It's, it's our salvation. It's, it's what we look forward to one day whenever Jesus comes and He sets all things right. We are to have our hope set on that inheritance. That, that, that inheritance when Jesus comes again. It tells us here, um, to an, we've been born again to an inheritance. Okay, one and all, an inheritance is something you receive in the family, right? We've been made, because we've been born again, we've been made a part of the family of God. We've been, we've been called sons of God because we've been born again. And uh, it, we've been born again to an inheritance, this, this thing that we look forward to, this fabulous thing that we look forward to that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I'm going to unpack each of those three things. Imperishable. When I think about imperishable, I think about a piece of fruit, right? That's perishable. Uh, uh, um, I, I, this season right now, I've been enjoying some peaches. I'll go to a place that, in Greenville that's got some really nice peaches. And I go to the regular grocery store and I bring those home and I'm always disappointed. But this one place, they've got some good ones. They're nice and juicy. They, they don't disappoint. But anyway... You set those peaches out on the, on the counter and, and uh, a couple of days pass and fruit flies fly around and everything and maybe you might, might uh, cut into one and all of a sudden you've got this bug crawling out. That's perishable. Or maybe they sit on the counter a little bit longer because, maybe, I don't know, maybe you got busy and didn't get, get the time to eat your peaches. But uh, it starts to smell maybe not so, quite so sweet, but a little bit sour. A little bit tangy. <laughs> and it's perishable. But you know what? The salvation that we have, the hope that we have in Jesus, the inheritance that we will receive is imperishable. It will never go bad. It will never be unsatisfying. We will always be satisfied with this, this inheritance that we will one day receive. It's imperishable. Uh, you know, that's nothing like what we experience in this life. Everything we experience in this life is perishable. But you know what? The inheritance that we look forward to one day, it's imperishable. It will never go bad. And then it's undefiled. You know, everything we experience in this life is defiled. It's, by, it's defiled by sin and corruption. Our bodies, they wear out. They break down all because of sin entering into the world through Adam and Eve. Uh, we die. We experience sickness. We experience pain. We experience sin. 
All of these different things that we experience are defiled. But the inheritance that we have in Jesus is undefiled. There will no longer be any death, no longer be any pain, no longer be any coronavirus, no longer be any sickness of any kind, no longer any cancer, no longer any heart disease, no longer any of those things because it will be undefiled. None of the effects of sin will be involved in our inheritance that we will receive one day. And then it is unfading. A couple of things I think of there. A book. A nice... New, you, you, any readers here? Any, anybody that loves a good new, new book? And, and you may buy a new book and you bring it home and you, and, and, and you smell those nice fresh pages and everything. And you might love the book so much you read it several times and by the time you've read it several times the pages are all crinkled maybe. Or maybe not crinkled, but the binding might be falling apart. And if you left it in the sun, the, the, the uh, 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 cover might be faded. And it just something that brought you so much joy in the beginning just begins to fade. Or a new car. You know, guys... You get that new car and you're excited about it. It's got this great pumping bass sound system in it. You bring it up. You want to bring all your friends into it and sit in the car and just sit there and smell that new car leather. You know, you just want to want to enjoy that new car. But a couple of miles down the road, you got maybe a little knocking in the engine. The paint's beginning to flake off. The sound system, you have to hit the dashboard to get it to work sometimes. And it's just faded. It's just not what it was. And our inheritance that we have in Jesus is not like that. Our inheritance, it never fades. It will always be just as good and exciting as the first day we brought it home. Right? Our inheritance in Jesus will never fade. It is imperishable, it is undefiled, it is unfading, and it is kept in heaven for you. You know, the things that we have in this world, they can be taken from us. Somebody can steal from us. You know, uh, Jesus says, uh, store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. Well, here, Peter tells us this inheritance that we have It's kept in heaven for you. It's protected. Nobody can get to it. This inheritance that is ours, because we have been born again, because we have been trusted in Jesus, it is securely held in heaven where nobody can touch it. Nobody can take it from us. All of those things ought to cause us to shout, Hallelujah, right? Amen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's caused us to be born again. We've got an inheritance that's waiting for us that will never fade. It will never go bad. It is not defiled. And it is kept in heaven for us. Amen. And then he goes on. Who by... Oh, I almost left that one thing out. It's kept in heaven for you. It's got your name on it. <laughs> Amen? It's, got, it's kept in heaven for you. Again, I said uh, the, the God that we worship is specific. And here, He gets specific about this inheritance. It's kept in heaven for you. You don't, you don't have to... If you're trusting in Jesus, if you've been born again, you know it's got your name on it. It's there. It's waiting for you. 
It's just waiting for the time when Jesus comes again. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Who? Who's this talking about? You. It's, it's kept in heaven for you who, that who is talking about the same person he talked about in the last verse, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, we talk about this salvation and, and, and this inheritance that we have. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. And it's kept in heaven for you. And you might think, well, how do I know I'll have enough faith? How do, I, how do I know I will endure to the end? I know the inheritance is kept safe. I know the inheritance is never... But I don't trust in myself. I, I, I'm just too weak. The text tells us here, who you are guarded by God's power through a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. You're guarded by God's power. And if you feel weak, and if you feel like, I've just got a mustard seed of faith today. Or if you feel like, I don't even know if I have faith today. If you're a believer, if you've been born again, God guards you by His power. And there ain't nothing more powerful than that. That's right. God's power. He is guarding you. The, idea, the word there, guarding, has the idea of, of putting a garrison of soldiers around. He's got a garrison of angels, soldiers around you, guarding you. Now that ought to cause you to say, shout hallelujah, right? That ought to cause you to be saved. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to know that, you know, that inheritance is undefiled and unfading. And also, He's holding on to me. He's holding on to you. He does that through faith. It says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Like I said, you know, you might feel like, I, I just don't even know if I've got a mustard seed of faith today. I, just, I don't even know. If I, 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 I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm walking in the dark sometimes. I just can't see. He continues to support us and, and give us faith when we just don't feel like we can go on any longer. He holds on to us. He protects us by His power. And He continues to just give us, give us faith for the day. And we might worry about tomorrow. We might worry, will I, will I have enough faith tomorrow? And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. He gives us the faith we need for the day we have it. We might wonder, well, I don't know if, 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 uh, if the government gets too hostile and they take away my business and, and everything like that. Well, well, will I still have enough faith to continue to follow Jesus? He continues to give you faith. Don't worry about what might happen tomorrow. Sufficient for the day is his own troubles. Just keep on trusting. Keep on believing. And he gives you more faith as you need it. Through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. It talks about future salvation. The Bible talks about our salvation in three senses. You know, it's past, present, and future. We can talk about how the fact is 
When we got saved, it's something he 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 met us. Whether it be uh, at at the at the front of a church building when when we prayed to receive Christ, whether it's you know for me it was at home sitting in my bed whenever I was six years old and I trusted in Jesus. He we could talk about I got saved right past tense, and and the Bible also talks about how how our salvation is is a present reality. He's he's continually saving us. And there's a salvation that's future. When Jesus returns, when the veil is torn away and it's revealed. And in those moments when we feel like, I just don't know if I have enough faith to keep on going. I just don't know if I have enough faith. I, I just, I don't. When the veil is torn away, when Jesus returns, when we see Him face to face, we'll see, I'm real. I'm real. I didn't know if I had enough faith to keep on going. But it didn't depend on me. It was Jesus holding me all the way along. And, and that veil is torn away. And we know we're real. That salvation is ready right now. It's, it's ready. It's, it already exists now. And it's ready to be revealed at the last time. When He comes and He wipes away every tear. That ought to cause us to shout hallelujah. He has caused us to be born again. We have a hope that is eternal, that will never fade, that will never, it will be completely satisfying for all of eternity, for billions and billions of years. It will never fade or diminish in how satisfying it is to us. It's guarded by God. It doesn't depend on our ability to, to just work up enough faith. But no, it's guarded by God Himself. That ought to cause us to praise Him. Believers. Maybe you've grown cold. Maybe you've not thought on these things about how great and awesome your inheritance is in Jesus. Maybe you've not thought about, about how, how magnificent, how much His mercy is when He caused you to be born again. And maybe right now God is moving in your heart to just shout hallelujah. You know, when, we're, when, we, when we open up for the altar call, you can, you can come and pray and just praise Him. Amen. And praise Him for what He has done in your life. And, and maybe there's people here that have never trusted in Jesus. You know, this, this message has been focused mostly on believers. I'm saying, he's, he's got this salvation that's ready for you. But if, if you're not a believer in Jesus, and you're here today, if you've not been born again, this is, this is not good news for you. Unless you turn to Him. Unless you trust in Him. This salvation is for believers. We're, as believers, we're strangers and aliens. But if you're not trusting in Jesus... You're just part of this world. You're still dead in your trespasses and sins. You need to be born again. And, and the benefit here of being born again is, is you have an inheritance that will never fade away. Maybe you, you've wondered, well, how can I really believe that, that the Bible is true? That, that Jesus really was who He said He was? Well, we've already addressed that tonight. Or this, this morning. 
He rose from the dead. He really physically rose from the dead in space and time. He's not just like any of the other religious teachers. So I urge you to trust in Jesus today.